As you may have noticed, the covert narcissism has a new look. We've got a better sound, a studio recording now, and like I'm actually sitting in front of lights and cameras and a, and a microphone. You know, I'm on TikTok. Really? I never thought that was coming. And, and my producer, yeah, actually said that. My producer. I have a producer. Seriously? I never saw any of this coming. In fact, he's sitting here staring at me right now. This is, this is new territory to me. But my producer came to me and he said, you know, I should charge for a second episode a week to help cover these costs like a bonus episode. But I can't do that. That's not in my heart. Not for this. This podcast is my mission. And, and to charge you, that just doesn't feel right to me. It's just too valuable, affecting so many people in our world. You, amazing people out there. So we got to find a different way. I just, I said, no, we got to find a different way to do this. And, and I want to give you that second episode. So we're doing that. Like that is happening and we're starting it very soon. You've probably noticed now some small ads on the podcast. And, and I want this to a minimum. And if you want to skip over them, do. It's fine. By all means, do. But every little bit helps with these costs. You know, this stuff isn't free. The, the microphones, the producer, the, the cameras, managing social media, the extra time, none of this is free. So instead of charging for that second episode, we're going to open up donations to continue this cause. And if you are finding value in this and you can contribute, please join us for your monthly donation however small, whatever you're comfortable with, whatever length of time, there's no commitment here. I want to include you in the mission, this, this movement this, that we're on, this journey that we're on together. I'm currently writing a book and been writing it for a while. And the title is still in the works, but the title I'm, I'm really kind of liking right now is called Grasping Covert Narcissism. And it's subtitled Catching a Ghost. As a donor, I want to send you the first chapter of this book. I want your feedback on it. I want you to read it. I want you to dig into it. I love hearing from my audience. So I want that feedback. I treasure it. I read every email you send me. You are all a part of my journey. So if you can, join me on this mission. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. If you have ever lived with a covert narcissist, you know that they are the expert on everything, okay, in their own eyes. They know everything. They say everything exactly right. They don't make mistakes. When you call them out on one, they will automatically defend it and explain why what they did was intentional and absolutely right. Even if you're just asking them to do something differently, they will starchly defend their way of doing everything and give your thoughts and opinions no consideration. And this is everything. I mean, from how you dry your hair to how you load the dishwasher, from how you brush your teeth to how you drive your car. Things you've been doing for years, learned from childhood, and doing just fine before you ever met them. All of a sudden, you can't do anything right. Sometimes I wonder how any of us even manage to exist without their amazing expertise. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and I want to tell you I am so excited. We hit one million downloads this week. One million downloads of this podcast. I am blown away by that. So thank you so much for being here. 
thank you for, for being on this journey with me. I hate it for every single person who understands what I'm talking about. So let me also say I'm really sorry that you get it, but I'm so glad that you're here. I want to apologize for my voice today. These mics are sensitive and they might pick up that I'm sucking on a cough drop or clearing my throat. I have been under the weather, so just bear with me today. But let's dive into what we're talking about. This expert on everything. One red flag that I saw fairly early for us, but I sure did not recognize it for what it was until like years later, was about my dog. See, before I met my husband, I had a German Shepherd. And she was about two years old when we got married. And she was incredibly well-trained. I've had dogs all my life. I learned as a young girl how to teach them, how to train them. And I really enjoy it. I build good relationships with my dogs. And he used to tell everyone, you know, that we got married or when we got married, that he married me because of my dog. And he kind of said it like he was joking, but he said because the dog was so well-behaved that if I could train a dog like that, surely I could train the kids. Like, this is somebody I want to be able to raise my kids. And like I said, he treated it like a joke, kind of, but, but he said it a lot. And he loved to show off how well-trained my dog was. Mind you, this was my dog before we got married. And he talked about his dog as a kid and how dumb his dog was and, and that the dog had no skills. And I just assumed maybe it was because of breed. You know, shepherds are smart dogs, so I just didn't think much of it. Well, after my dog died, we got a new shepherd, and I was so excited. I've got a new pup, and, and ready to train again, and we had young boys in the home now, and I wanted them to learn how to work with a dog, how to build that relationship of trust, and how to train the dog. However, it became very clear very quickly that he did not respect my training of this original dog at all. He wanted to do it his way. And he wanted to tell me how everything I was doing was wrong. His approach was authoritative, intimidating, and full of anger. When our puppy broke the rules, he would jump in and, and intimidate her, making her, you know, making him all big and mean and scaring her. She quickly became afraid of him and rebelled back, and she wasn't listening, which of course did not go over well with him and started a bad spiral over and over. When I tried to get him to settle down and, and be more gentle, he told me, you know, I didn't know what I was doing and that she would never get it right if we weren't aggressive with her. That, that my way, he told me that my way was stupid and worthless and would never work. He called my interactions with her, in his words, sing-song. That sing-song approach is useless and, and she won't ever get it. He had no clue how to build a relationship of trust with a dog. And, and of course, then he didn't have this relationship with the dog, and I didn't realize it wasn't just the dog. He couldn't do it with his own family either, me or the kids, but I didn't realize it yet. We never succeeded in getting that dog even housebroken. You know, for three years, I worked with this dog for three years. We were having all sorts of issues at this point in our marriage, with the kids, with the dog. And my stress level was just at an all-time high. So I gave in, and I found her a new home, one where she could be properly cared for. And I was sad, but I still didn't understand. I knew the approach was wrong, but I still wasn't connecting all the dots. I just, he wouldn't listen to me. And little did I know what my future truly held. Yet, he was, of course, the expert. 
when it came to raising and training puppies, even though he still continued to tell people that he married me because of my ability to train a dog. For a long time, I refused to get another dog. I'm not going through all that again. Our boys finally convinced me. They were older. They wanted a dog. So we did. I found another shepherd pup, a rescue, and I really wanted her. So we got her. And it started all over again. But by now, I was much better at standing my ground with him. I stood in the way. And I built a successful relationship with this pup. He did not. She would not listen to him. When he got all intimidating and mean with her, I really thought she was going to bite him. Like, she got aggressive back. But she never bit him. And the day he moved out, this beautiful dog of mine went from being on edge and defensive in the home, snarly and reactive, to being a wonderful, happy dog. She's still with me today, and I love that dog dearly. It's funny to me how this played out all the way from the very beginning of my marriage to the very end. But it's not just dogs. This expert on everything, it plays out in so many ways. Windshield wipers, okay? This is another way it played out for me. He told me I ran my windshield wipers too often. You shouldn't turn them on so much. It's not raining that hard. You should just put them on the intermittent, you know, setting or whatever. So I changed the way I ran my own windshield wipers, even when he wasn't in the car, just to make him happy. And honestly, at the time, I didn't care. This was a nothing, so I don't care, even though I'd been driving for years just fine and running my own windshield wipers. But I didn't care. But over time, this was happening with everything. And when it's happening with everything, you start caring. And never, not once, do they make any purposeful changes to do something your way because it's important to you. I'm not a scorekeeper in life. That's not me. I don't relate with that. But over time, I became one. You can't help it when you are being told over and over that you do everything wrong, you start to notice. And you notice the things they're doing wrong because they make such a big deal out of your stuff. But if you point it out to them, they defend it so much it's just not worth it anymore. So yes, you start scorekeeping. You know, there were dishwasher battles. That's not how you load it. This should be turned this way, or these go on the bottom, or that's not the right setting. Even though I've been the one that's cleaning the kitchen for years, sure, he does it every now and then, but yet they're the expert on how to load the dishwasher. Cooking, you didn't leave that marinade on long enough. That's not how you should cut the carrots. That's the wrong way to hold a knife. That's not enough pasta or water for the pasta. Even though you're the one that's been preparing meals every day for your family. You've been holding a knife this way and cutting vegetables since you were a little kid helping your mom in the kitchen, yet he knows best. They don't spend hardly any time cooking. Some of them, some do, I know that. But yet they're the expert. This is just another example. You know, he started talking to his family and friends about, you know, when I cook, I do it this way and all these great things. And yeah, he was a good cook, but he cooked like twice a year. One of my group members told me that her husband even turned off the hot water heater, telling her that she can't use the water right. What? Waiting for the water to get hot, she didn't do it right, so she didn't deserve to have hot water, and he turned off the hot water heater. Are you kidding me? You don't spend your money right, so I'm not going to give it to you anymore. You're unable to give gifts right, and they make, you know, they, they tell you how the things that you do wrong, making holidays and special occasions miserable. They are the expert at how you should run your life. 
how you should spend your time, how you should interact with your own friends, how you should dress, how you should spend your money, even how you should communicate more efficiently. Now, isn't that funny? My husband was so exact with his words, so carefully chosen, so carefully contemplated and selected. You know, he was the best at communicating efficiently. The fewest number of words to convey his exact meaning. And he would say to me, well, you don't need to say all of that just to say what you wanted. I got it from the first part. You repeat yourself too many times. I heard that over and over. You should learn to talk more efficiently. This from someone who had no friends that he did stuff with. He spent no social time with others. He struggled in his communication with his children, family, our fellow church members. I don't know how he did at work. I wasn't there. But yet, he would tell me that I should learn to communicate like him, even though he was struggling so much in communication. And, and he would, you know, that whole thing about repeating stuff. Like, there was one time in conversation with him where I'm trying to explain my feelings, opening my heart to him. And he's holding his hand up and actually counting on his fingers. And I thought, what's he doing? And, and I mean, this was in a pretty, like, heartfelt, intense conversation. And I finally looked at him and said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm counting how many times you're repeating yourself. What? Like, how is this helpful in communication? And I, and I told him, I said, look, sometimes people need to reiterate things because they're trying to articulate it better even in their own head. Like, like talking and communicating has to do with feelings. And sometimes things just need to be expressed because, you know, my heart hasn't, hasn't fully felt it and expressed it yet, good grief, I might as well have been talking to a wall. You think any of this made sense? You know, I'm trying to explain to him, a full-grown adult, father of two teenage boys, the value of, of communication, the value of conversation. Like, conversation is not a computer. I'm not typing in and making my words efficient with a computer, which I, I mean, that was his job. That was what he did. And I understand that but this is communication. This should also be something you do. This is part of life. And, and he didn't understand that normal give and take of communication where the feelings get involved. And so, yes, I, I heard all the time, well, you've said that before, or I already know that, and I got shut down again and again that same way. But here's the crazy part. This is part of what makes it so confusing. When he was in a different mindset, he would tell me that he respected the way I communicated with others. He told me once that he didn't understand how I could tell someone something that they didn't want to hear, like something I didn't like about what they did or what they were saying that I disagreed with, and they were open to it. He said, I don't understand that. How do you do that? Your conversation ends good. Like you tell them you don't like what they did, and they're still your best friend. And he would say, I don't, I don't get that. I struggle with this. In his words, he said to me that he would do the same thing and everyone was mad at him. And, and they never took it well. But he always blamed it on them. It was their fault that they didn't take it well. He didn't self-reflect at his own communication, at least not in a way that was truly vulnerable and open to learning. They will tell you how to do everything. And then they'll tell you, like, he'd turn right around and tell me that he respected the way I did everything. Like, it just, it is catching a ghost. That's exactly what I keep talking about. And even things I've been doing for so many years, he's the expert at night because, you know, we all do it wrong. How to wash your clothes, how to fold your clothes, how to brush your hair, how to park your car, how to cough, how to drink water, 
even how to, you know, breastfeed a child, though maybe you've already had three. Opinions on everything and no room for your opinion. They know more about your own health and how to take care of you than you do, or even your doctors. No one is as smart as they are. And if you speak up about it, saying, you know, hey, I want to do it my way, victim mode kicks in. I was just trying to help. And now their feelings are all hurt. Straight into victim mode, and now you're the bad guy. You're the terrible person for not allowing them to help. And we own that. We feel bad. Oh, I should have been more open to it. I went through this for years before I finally realized what was going on. You know, I should have been more open to it, even though he's corrected me for the last hundred things that I've done. And I feel like I can't ever get anything right. In these relationships, clearly we are supposed to allow them to help anytime they want, which is all the time. And help does not mean help. Help means just do it their way. But yet, you're not allowed the same privilege. You can't voice your opinions on how they should do something because now you'll get the monologue on how they know what's best and you're made to feel small and unimportant and your feelings don't matter and you can't do anything correctly or even satisfactorily. How in the world did we ever manage to live without them? It's a miracle that we made it to adulthood in the first place. How did we survive without their expertise? I mean, I don't know about you, but... I managed to wear clothes every day, and, and they were clean, you know, properly cared for. I drove my car, like, a lot. I parked it. I even parallel parked it. I used a knife and actually cut vegetables and didn't cut my fingers off. Yeah, I'm still working on mastering toilet paper, but I might not, never get that one right. Listen, you are allowed to be the full-grown adult that you are. You are allowed to do things differently, to do things your way. This problem is on them, not you. And in fact, it has nothing to do with you or how you are doing things. Take back your space to be human and quit giving them this power over you. Just do things your way. Expect them to go off the deep end, but don't forget that's their problem and not yours. I wish you so much peace on this journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are CNG as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.